Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go, Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Joining me, my co-host for today, the NBA Outsiders. We're back talking hoops. We are going to wait till next week, but there's too much basketball to talk about. Too many topics, too many things. So, with me, none other than the NBA Outsiders. First, but first and foremost, first, but what? I don't know. John Lucas Duffy, what's up, brother? What's up, Petey? I'm a little curious what you were about to say there, bro. Don't even know. I'm so excited to talk hoops. I just I just did some word vomit. That's how I do it sometimes. And also, it happens. back from a one-week hiatus or a one-episode hiatus, he's feeling better. He's feeling live. That's Frank Villani. What's up, dog? Hey, how are you doing? I would go with first the worst, second is the best, personally. Uh, <laughs> moving up. <laughs> just coming right back. show up to play every day, Frank. Remember that. <laughs> <laughs> dog, I took a week off, and I still got the first hit in. Come on. Hey, and now, last but not least, of course, that's the easiest one to figure out for my brain there. Uh, Kyle Anderson, what's up, baby? What's going on, everybody? How you doing? What's up? Doing, Ready to go. Doing wonderful. Hoops are here. We got bubble ball. I think I, I ended the last podcast that we did a week or a week and a half ago or something. And I said, uh, enjoy that bubble ball, baby. And what else could we have been doing over this past week or so than enjoying this bubble ball? I mean, I don't know about you guys. We'll get into specifics. Our plan for this episode is uh, to make some apologies about what we may have said about some players and teams or not said about some players and teams uh, and who's been exciting us in the bubble. And then also some of the biggest disappointments, but Guys, overall, just general vibes from the bubble, production, play, intensity, announcing, everything uh, under the sun. What are your guys' general feelings? Duff, I'll start with you. What, what are you thinking right now? I'm loving the bubble vibe. I think the experience of watching games in the bubble is it's awesome. Like I, I really don't feel like the f- not having fans there really takes anything away from the experience. And it kind of reminds me of, for anyone who's a college hoops fan, the battle for Atlantis, that particular preseason tournament where you, it's, it's, it's literally in a friggin' hotel ballroom in a resort in the Bahamas. And you cannot see any fans there. It's like this really theatrical view. That's really where they so focused in on the games. I, I love it. It just really takes away from all the other distractions that might be around if you're really just trying to appreciate some basketball. Kyle, yeah, I, oh, my bad, oh, Frank. Yeah, no, I was just going to hop and say, like, it's enjoyable. I, I don't think it's taken away from the at-home experience of sports. If anything, it kind of, like, enhances it. And I know you guys know this, but I've been watching a lot of baseball. And, like, in comparison, like, the bubble in NBA working and not having, you know, any games shut down or anything like that, they're like, that's huge. Like, honestly, like, I got it's very disappointing on the other end of it, the baseball side of it. So to see it go well in the NBA is like relieving and honestly just happy to see it back and working. Like, I think it's cool to see, you know, some of the teams that, you know, necessarily weren't expecting to play well or the teams that are, you know, performing well, but, you know, performing well before the bubble. And now they're kind of on the downside. So I think, you know, the kind of the conversation we had in the last pod about, you know, some teams moving up and some teams moving down, 
it's just like cool to see where it, you know, the playoffs is going to wind up just because, uh, you know, obviously the postseason is the most, mo- postseason is the most important thing about this bubble right now since we're only playing eight games. So definitely looking forward to it. Yeah. And I think the only thing probably working against the NBA right now is that there are certain teams that aren't going to move, right? So the Lakers clinched the one seed, the Bucks are clinched the one seed. You know, those games now become a little bit less interesting, even though the Bucks had a well-fought comeback against the Heat uh, just well today for us recording now, but yesterday for you guys listening. Um, the Lakers, you know, LeBron sits out. And how many more games will Anthony Davis rest? Or who who knows what's going to happen there, right? And then also the Wizards, they're out. Like, they're they're done. They're fried. They shouldn't be there probably. So there are a couple teams that maybe don't have anything to play for right now. Some teams may be locked into their seed. That's the only negative. But other than that, I think the production's been great. I think the broadcasters are doing as good a job as they could. And something I'm surprised that is working as well as it is, at least for me, I would love to hear what you guys think, the fake crowd noise, I feel like it does the job of filling the emptiness in my brain, like whatever, you know, you're expecting to hear on like general plays, general portions of the game, the fake crowd noise covers a lot of it for me. And I think we'll, we'll miss it more in like the biggest moments of the playoffs, of course, because you just can't replicate it. But for now and for large majority of, of each game, the fake crowd noise feels good for me. I don't know about you guys. I don't love the fake crowd noise. I feel like I, I sometimes find it distracting. Cause it's, it just sounds like this general murmur that I like in my brain, I just know it's not supposed to be there. And I just can't like trick myself into just letting it happen. Like you're saying, like it doesn't, it, it definitely doesn't take anything away from the experience. It's just kind of like, it, it, it's, it's, I just feel like I'm being tricked in my brain. Like every time there's a free throw and I just hear stuff and like, especially when I'll be quiet during free throws when it should be loud and just like little things like that. I've been watching a lot of games on, uh, there's been a lot of NBA TV games and those particular broadcasts are uh, they just pick whoever the home team is supposed to be for that broadcast. They just pipe in that local feed that I've found particularly brutal as we own league pass. So like, why can I not watch the away broadcast? Cause some of these, some of these uh, local teams are pretty brutal. Like the wizards when particularly that game, when they were playing against the Sixers, like, they're interviewing Drew Gooden for like the whole first quarter. And I'm just like, I don't care what this guy has to say even a little bit. Like, please get this out of here. It's, and they're just, they're just chatting over the entire game. And I'm just so distracting. So I've actually been like not listening to broadcasts sometimes and just listening to like podcasts or music or, or nothing in the background. Well, not nothing, but. I, again, I find myself agreeing. I'm not a huge fan of the fake crowd noise. But I am a big fan of the virtual crowd. Uh, I think <laughs> the, uh, the Clippers-Suns game when Tim Booker hit the game winner over Paul George. And they even had some of the virtual crowd people surrender Cobra. Oh, so good. Yeah. So that part, like, got it. But, but just to sum up my point, like, I feel like real sports people, which I – not even real sports, it's just like anybody who watches it and has played it before would like love to have that appreciation. It's just like, yeah, let me hear the game for a little while. And I definitely get your sentiment too. Like feel that. it's definitely part of the atmosphere of playoff basketball and that will definitely feel different for like for these first eight games. If I just heard like squeaks, whistles and a couple of cuss words, like 
Honestly, that would be awesome. I, I would love that. Well, the audio cutouts are real, right? We're here. We're hearing it like a handful of times each quarter where all of a sudden there's zero audio. It's because Melo's yeah. got a rebound. <laughs> yeah, it's so annoying, honestly. Just let it fly. Bad in the Clippers-Mavs tonight. It was real bad. In the few baseball games I've watched, the the national broadcast, they, I guess, try to do something, but the local broadcast do nothing. Yo, Jock Nearson says the F word more than I do. And he's like, and definitely shot, he shot up he <laughs> shot up my players. So it's just because of it. You know, like I would love to just hear like someone dropping F bombs on the court and be like, that's my guy. <laughs> I, I, I like the crowd noise, but at the same time, like that's the, the audio that we got from the scrimmages is kind of what I miss. So it's kind of like a, like kind of give or take. Like I like the scrimmages, you know, we, we heard literally everything, you know, players communicating on defense or, you know, like you said, the squeak of the, of the sneakers on the floor. But I also like how they're trying to give the home team an advantage in a sense, like with like crowd noise, like the defense chant. And even just like small things, like when the opponent scores, like they're giving them the like LeBron James for two. Right. And then it's, you know, say if, you know, the Rocket scores James Harden for three, which I think they're trying to, you know, make it like a similar experience, even though it's not. But I do miss, you know, hearing the stuff that we heard in the scrimmages where it was just, you know, just straight up communication and, and actual basketball, literally basketball. And trash. So it's, yeah, and trash talk, <laughs> right. And I, I think that's like the only thing that I miss. And listening to some of the broadcast like you said duff is kind of tough just yeah like i I was listening i was watching the kings game today and i was like dude like people listen to this like this is terrible like the dude didn't their guy didn't the king's guy just get canned for being like a hardcore racist yeah Yeah. i honestly don't think the king's broadcast is like terrible but i will not listen to a wizards or grizzlies broadcast probably ever again in my life the bucks one also brutal yeah, you know what I heard? I think what it was from the from the Kings broadcast today. What what killed me was like they did like it was I guess Doug Christie and the older guy. I don't know what his old the older guy's it's name like was. G. He just calls him G. So uh Yogi Farrell scores and Doug Doug Christie goes, Oh Yogi, and then the old dude goes, Farrell and I was like, Oh, uh, <laughs> oh man. No, they don't work out the kinks. They don't got that chemistry yet. Oh, yeah, man. We get it. Yogi Farrell scored. Like we, we it's cool. Like you could have just let Doug Christie say the Yogi and we're just like, oh, man, like Yeah, but, that's a little rough. It is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> They're also like not there, so it's like a little awkward. True. Right. But yeah, no, I, I feel you. I definitely, I hear everyone's point. So like me and Kyle seem to be a little closer on the same page there, but even with what Duff and Frank said, like my only argument saying, you know, don't, I, why I'm personally not complaining about it is that whatever they can do on the broadcast that helps me not realize there's no fans. That, like, you know what I mean? Anything that they can do, like Kyle said with the, the announcers cheer, like being louder for the home guys and low for the away guys or specific sounds. Like I know Bill Simmons was saying how they use the same exact sounds for defense chance and, you know, let's go Celtics chance as they do in the Boston garden. So like that stuff, whatever helps fill the, the cracks in your brain, I think is a positive and I'm not going to really complain about it, but I think it'll become a little more clear in playoff time that we're missing something, but hopefully they can get better at it by the time we get there. But I think overall yeah, that's a good point, if they can really make it feel like it's actually happening, like you're saying, that would be definitely awesome. 
Yeah, like <laughs> I forget uh, where I heard this, but they were saying how like uh, they need a, a certain buttons for crowds that get like really uneasy. Like the Sixers are gonna Sixers fans boo their own players like more often than a lot of other teams. Like they need to have some some uh, stock sound ready to go for some home team booing. Like that's that's some next level stuff that maybe the Sixers need uh, to get going. <laughs> they need their home crowd to hate them for them to play hard or something. I don't know. <laughs> Yo, sometimes they deserve it and it motivates them. All right, I won't apologize. Yeah, for real. All right, well, let's get to some more specific basketball stuff. Subway Sports Talk. Uh, Pete Kennedy, John Lucas Duffy, Frank Villani, and Kyle Anderson, NBA Outsiders. Hit us up on Twitter at Subway Sports Talk TLK because Twitter's got a character limit. And on Instagram at Subway Sports Talk, the full word. Hit us up. Appreciate the love. Appreciate the shares. All that stuff has been super dope. And for all of us, thank you guys for listening and everything. Uh, We're going to keep going right now onto some real basketball topics. Um, So what we really want to do here is kind of discuss what we talked about going into the bubble what we discussed in our top 25 list that we did a couple weeks back and based off what we've seen so far, you know, what have we learned? What has impressed us? What has been good? What has been ugly? What has been disappointing? And we're going to go through some different things. So Duff, I feel like I should let you intro the first one, even though you don't fully deserve it. Cause you kind of like you, they were your team. Then they weren't your team. And I don't know where you stand now, but Let's talk about them. I think you know who I'm talking about. Uh, I stand squarely with my sons, the Phoenix Suns. There you go. (laughs) At this point. They've been probably the most impressive team. They haven't lost yet in the bubble. Duff, just take it away on your sons, the Suns. I just feel like, look, full disclosure, I had given up on this team this year because I was just, I didn't, I, I hated that they took DeAndre Ayton. Like, I, they really kind of lost me with that. They they uh, salary dumped their first-round pick from, like, last year or the year before in Josh Jackson, and they sent away DeAnthony Milton, who I actually like, to the Grizzlies. Like, he's actually a good player, and somehow he was part of that. They traded away a top-five pick plus another solid role player. Um, so, needless to say, it wasn't looking great. And I don't know what this is. Like, we haven't seen Devin Booker play in a meaningful basketball game since the final four in like 2015. So I, no one knew how he was going to react. Like, especially he got trashed this past summer for opting out of the, uh, uh, USA basketball, like whatever, whatever it was the world cup or world championship, whatever it was. I don't even care that much anymore, I guess. Right. Uh, but still people were trashing him for it, but he showed up in the bubble. This is like, basically I, I would consider this the playoffs for the Suns. Like you say a lot of times there are teams where they are approaching the playoffs. Like they're fighting for an eight seed. They're fighting to make sure they stay in. It's like, you know, they're, it might be the playoffs now in April, but really their playoffs started in, you know, middle of February or middle of March because they had to claw so hard just to get in the mix. And Devin Booker is not disappointed in these, in these playoffs. And it's really pretty much all up to him. He's been averaging, uh, 30 points, uh, five assists, which is like a monster number for him. Uh, and he's shooting 45% from three. And like, I don't know what else you could possibly want from this guy. He's getting, he's getting how many 30 threes, points off 22 shots. How many threes? Six, a game? Uh, six and a half. Okay. Cause I, I, so like I remember in the regular season, I, w- I was thinking he should be at like eight or nine and he was at like five or six. So I still think he could take more, but you really can't argue what the man's been doing. Well, it's just so much, so much of the defensive pressure is on him specifically. And they're like, 
if you think about it, you're playing against the Suns, wouldn't you rather have literally anyone else besides Devin Booker shoot the ball? Yep. So now you look exactly so, and he's missed like three total free throws. He's shooting pretty much ten a game, close to ten a game, like you know nine basically a game in free throws in this uh, in the bubble scene, which is right where you want to be. Like that's the most efficient way to play. Is you know think Luca, I think shoots nine a game, and then you have like the Hardens and the Embiid's who are shooting double digits because they just know how to work the refs and the system that well. But it's been. So much more fun to watch Kings basketball than usual. I mean, I told you guys, the greatest inefficiency in basketball gambling was we just wait for the Suns to take the lead in the third quarter because they always do. And then you just bet against them to to lose the game or to like or the other team to win by five points. Like you would make so much money if you did that every single night and just watch the Suns because you knew they were gonna blow it. This is not them. They had that chance to do they had the chance to do that today against the Pacers. I think they Pacers cut it single digits in the fourth quarter, and then they blew the lead back up to 20 points, and it was just over. And Monty Williams had to be so happy. Shout out former uh, former Sixers assistant coach. Sure. I just want to shout out uh, actually myself and Frank, more so Frank, since we gave him a 12 and a 16 ranking in the top 25 for our uh, ranking um, in our top 25 podcast. Um. Devin Booker obviously has not had, like you said, Duff, has not played in many meaningful games in the past, say, four or five years. But um, he's pretty much proving why he's probably one of the best scorers in the league. And he steps up every night. Doesn't take that many threes, but if you're going to be efficient, you know, in the two-point game, in the pull-up game, then whatever, you're going to score the way you score. And he's one of those rare guys who can actually get away with shooting the pull-ups. Correct. Right. It was right. elite. Yeah. And he's so effective doing it. And he's also getting other people involved. Like, it's not just like, oh, he's taking 30 shots a game and he's still scoring 35. Like, he's scoring 35 and getting like four or five assists a game and probably racking up like four or five rebounds a game, which is obviously really good for his production. And, you know, as far as a, a considered a score for his team. So. You know, he's, want him to, he's one of those guys you just want him to get 30, and then anything else he gives you is a bonus. Yeah, because at, at this point, if if the say the Suns somehow, say the Suns get into the playing game, and say it's them and the Blazers in the playing game, I don't, I can't say that the Blazers, it's an automatic, you know, 100%, you know, lock for them to win it. And I think the Blazers are going to give the Lakers problems, but. Who knows? You know, at this point, who knows? So, especially yeah. with the Grizzlies, are dropping like a stone. This, I, I texted you guys the other day that they're gonna fuck around and end up with like the ten seed. Yeah, and watch themselves. They really they're blown. They, they, they they blown it. <laughs> but just, I guess, quick point on Devin Booker. Um, and to even the first point we made, Duff kind of was. Oh, he's all in on the Suns, and then once they kind of had, I guess, like the turnaround year, turned the corner, he kind of turned his back on them. But the reason he was there all those other years is because the promise of Devin Booker when he finally became like the complete Devin Booker. We always knew he could shoot. We always knew he could score. It was more of just like situational things and like little basketball things, like using your strength to better win basketball games. He needed to learn how to do that as like 
the one guy because kind of like we were saying this last competitive basketball of Kentucky, like how many of those games are honestly even like competitive leading up to that? Like they they walked through the regular season. That was a twenty seven and zero team, right? And he was a six yeah, man. I think he was coming off the bench. Was coming off the bench, yeah. And he then, was part of the reinforcements, not the substitutes. Um, <laughs> Coach dog. So, you know, like that's that's a pretty big learning curve to go from that to like one of the worst franchises in the game and, you know, have to literally uplift everyone else around you. So I think maybe we're finally starting to see him personally turn that corner, which honestly makes the Suns team kind of fun. You know, like they don't want to have a bunch of cool guys. They have one really cool guy, some cool uniforms, you know. Yeah. Frank, to your point, like – he went from the best college or like one of the blue blood college programs to what many people would consider either the worst or second worst franchise in the NBA. I know one that's worse. Who, who could it be? Yeah. Who could it be? I don't know. Who could it possibly be? Not me. I don't know. His damn <laughs> warriors bottom worst record in the league. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, let me circle back here to go full picture on the suns here. First of all, Kyle, you took it easy on me. You shouted out you and Frank deserved you know, you guys put Devin Booker pretty high in the top 25. I had him low. I had him, like, pretty low. And I'm the one who should be apologizing. We could all apologize, or at least me, Duffy, and Kyle, for not including the Suns in the eighth seed race. Realistically, we probably could have, should have, would have. They proved that we should have, could have, would have. But besides the point, I had Devin Booker super low on this top 25 list. Had him in the 30s. I just looked at, I just looked at it, 39. Oh, yeah. Dom, come on. I knew that. I was just trying to know. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was 39. You didn't have to remind. I t- I t- anyway. It was, it was very low. How's <laughs> that you're snitching, bro? You're not yeah. an outsider. What the oh, fuck? That was a dry snitch. That was a dry snitch. That was, dry snitch. <laughs> just like, that uh, was the wettest of dry snitches. It, wasn't, it, was, it was a wet dry snitch. But he, he, he snitched on himself. I just, nah, I just you're right. You're right. I deserve that. I deserve it. And I'm, that's why we're doing apologies right here, right? We're doing apologies. So my reasoning for why he was low, I, I realized what happens sometimes when, and a, a couple Sixers fans said this to me about our list. Like they thought we had Simmons and a B too high. And they were saying like any real Sixers fan would never put them that high because we're just so damn disappointed in them and think they could be so much better. And I was like, that makes so much sense. And that's kind of how I feel about Devin Booker. And that's even how I felt about Tatum last season when he was, uh, settling for a lot of mid-rangers. I, I expect so much out of Devin Booker. I think he could do so much. Same for Tatum. Tatum figured it out. Booker now figured it out. And uh, I was saying, you know, Kelly Oubre got so much better for them. Rubio really helped solidify them. And I was like, that's the only reason their wins went up X amount. Like, Booker kind of stayed the same. Now I'm watching these bubble games. And uh, when you, before you place a bet gambling, right, maybe you don't have the best clarity. You're a little bit biased, right? But when that bet is in, and you're watching a team, and you're obviously rooting to win your bet, the truth comes out. The truth reveals itself. And the fact of the matter is, I had the Clippers' money line as a last leg of a parlay where I would have been very happy with that hit. And Clippers' sons, I was petrified of Devin Booker with the ball in his hands right there. Like, he was making all these mid-range shots, which the mid-ranger is is back in the bubble, baby. It's, it's working for these guys who are good at it, as we discuss on this pod quite a bit. Um, but I was legit petrified of Devin Booker. The difficulty of the shots, the control he played with, uh, this like his own speed that he played with, 
was so impressive, and I was so scared, and he obviously beat me with that incredible buzzer beater. So there it is. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Devin Booker. I'm sorry, sons. Y'all are proving me wrong, and uh, you guys deserve a little more love, and that's what we do right now. Yeah. Also, another another last point I got to make. I saw a little compilation because uh, none other than Paul George is in the picture. <laughs> Devin Booker hitting the three-pointer to seal the deal. Um, but it was just basically a compilation of like four or five game winning shots right over Paul George, where he's playing like, like it's a contested shot, you know, like you couldn't ask for much more. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm Doc Rivers right now and like, you know, I'm game planning, like, I don't know, man, I'm putting Kawhi on whoever's taking the last shot and I'll Paul George. <laughs> but yo, bro, oh, on that shot, Kawhi and PG were both there. Kawhi actually gave him a high five on his left hand. So. Fun. He's just a tough, tough bucket, man. Crazy, man. A little bit of a broken broken play. Like, he didn't get great position. He turns back around full, not even like a 180 turn. He did like a 270 turn back around. And um, PG and Kawhi were in his face. Kawhi literally gave him a high five with the left. He moved his left hand off the ball and finished his jumper one-handed. And out of the hand, I'm like, that got off in time, and that's going in. And I, and I lost my parlay, so... God damn, I'm paying for it. I'm paying for it on pod from a humility standpoint, and I'm paying for it for losing my bets. It's brutal out here. <laughs> I just want to I want to shout out before we move on to this next team here. I want to shout out. Uh, I know we're giving a lot of love to Devin Booker because he's the only like all star talent on the team, and he's absolutely the star. And they will go as far as he takes them. But uh, Cam Johnson, Cam Johnson wow, is a dude who bro. we kind of made fun of that pick with the soundbite from his teammate Kobe White. He went what when he found out. Uh, he was going to be, he was drafting a lottery during his press conference. And Kobe, uh, Kobe White was like, he went, what? Like he that, went famous, that right. famous line. That's so love. That's so love. That's wow, so love. bro. Wow. That's, that's, that's love. That's so love, yeah. so, bro. Shout out Cam Johnson <laughs> for like actually just being a productive player. And uh, Cam Payne, who I think is actually a Frank Villani, uh, Frank Villani player right there. When he was on the Thunder, I thought he was a fan. No, great, Frank? Great handshakes. Great handshakes. Best handshaker in the NBA. Gas is free gas. I will say no more. Yes, I was all in. All in. By the way, he's finally getting some run with the Suns, and he's looking good. By the way, I want to shout those out before we move on. They were were saying he was dominating in the G League and, you know, came back, obviously came back up with some confidence. I was watching the Suns game yesterday, and he, like, just pulled up two, two, what a three. And I was like, I was like, Damn, I haven't seen campaign play with that confidence probably ever in the Since league. college, and yeah, yeah. Well, you know what yeah. the problem is? He, he had kinda, that one dead dribble pull-up was nice. He kind of had that confidence as a rookie, but he just couldn't make a shot. So I think that's why a lot of us, like I think me and Frank did, were both on, on campaign side, but he was like literally one of the worst players in the NBA his first year in the yeah. league because he couldn't guard and he wasn't making shots. But we, we all kind of felt like he had that pop. He had that Definitely shooter's touch. Uh, and it's showing now. Uh, good for them. And the Cam Johnson, bro. I don't know. You guys can't hear it right now, but I was hitting all the drops right there. So don't worry about it. I got to cover. Uh, Appreciate <laughs> um, And it is love. Cam Johnson's looking good. Mikel Bridges looking good. He's looking like that 3 and D guy who we all hoped he can be. The Sixers fans are very upset right now hearing that. But that's what happens when uh, Brett Brown and a rookie GM, Elton Brand. Was he the GM at that moment or was it Brett Brown? I forget when they traded him. With his it mom. Was like, he was his in charge of the draft. There, man. I think he oh, got the job God. afterwards. His mom literally worked for the company. Yeah, that was one of those. They just kind of like outsmarted themselves. Yeah. And now like, where the fuck is Zaire Smith? Eat, not eating peanuts or something like that. I forget what happened with that. Didn't he get a bad allergic reaction or something? 
whatever. Yeah, and then he lost like 50 pounds and almost died. Oh my god, oh, for real? Yeah, it wasn't good. Oh it was like gosh. no one knew that he was allergic to something. It was a weird thing. I don't even know all the details. We we won't yeah. uh, go into it without knowing, I guess. That's your pick now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least we got like an additional second rounder out of it. Oh god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's rough. Mikel Bridges yeah, would look real good on that uh, Sixers team right now. Second rounder, dog. All right, yeah. When that pick converts into Bull Bull, I'll be happy. Until then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to our next team. And this is another team in the same ilk of the Suns where we decided to not put them in our conversation for the eight seed in the Western Conference. And in typical Spurs fashion, well, at least in the, uh, since the Tim Duncan era has ended, um, we just kind of counted them out. We kind of just said, eh, they don't really have the juice anymore. They ain't got it. Their, their team's a little weird. Like Derek White, DeJounte Murray, we like, but like they're not there yet. All this stuff for the Spurs is kind of like, ah, they're not quite there. They're not quite there. They're, they're in a weird spot. They're in no man's land. And they're, they're just competing. And uh, I want to start with a point here I have on DeMar DeRozan. So he's one of these players that got like lumped into this inefficient world of basketball where you know people weren't really into his shots and his points per shot and his uh, effect, efficiency was all down. His plus minus was down. But he has really quietly adapted his game to the next level. And one stat that I saw on DeMar DeRozan that I stumbled upon one day is I think is a really valuable one. It's points responsible for. So he only averages like six assists a game. I think he's like top 20 in points per game. But in points responsible for, he's top five in the league. So that means that his six assists are so valuable because he's assisting three-pointers. So he may not be shooting the three-pointers, but he's still leading his team to three-pointers. And his drive and kick game has been good. He's still a bucket when you need him down the stretch. And um, I think he deserves a little shout-out because... We all, not we, us four, but in general, as NBA fans, we wrote him off and we said he's done. He's, he hasn't got any any juice. He's inefficient. He's this and that. He's old NBA. And I think he deserves way more love than he has gotten in the past two years. And frankly, I think he's got more years in him. I don't know now what's going to happen. With, with who's, We were thinking, you know, who's going to sign him? What kind of contract is he going to get when this big one's up? Now, with his ball handling and his passing... I think there's going to be teams again going for DeMar DeRozan. What do you guys think? For sure. I, I think just because he's a consistent, you know, he's, he's a consistent four, one. He's going to give you some effort on the defensive end. And like you said, like, he's he's probably top five in the league pretty much because he's in the pull-up game. So now he's he's getting into the paint and collapsing and is kick, obviously kicking it to the right guy to hit those threes. Now, even though, you know, he's not, you know, chucking up threes, as you know, like, like that's why I love Kawhi. That's why I love Devin Booker. That's kind of why I love Tatum. You know, Tatum shoots more threes than Booker probably. It's just because they still have a complete game, and it's not a complete, you know, three-point show. And they still value the two-point, the pull-up, and, you know, going to the basket. And I've always liked DeMar DeRozan's game just because he was that consistent – going inside and out, but he's making those strides into the new basketball by relying on his teammates, which I like. He's still using his game, but he's also knowing his strengths. It's like, all right, you know what? I'm going to collapse too and kick it out to the guy that can shoot that through. A really cool thing that they're doing with him is that LaMarcus Aldridge is not in the bu- bubble, right? I don't think he's in at all. Yeah, he's hurt. Or is he at least not playing? Yeah, he's hurt. So – 
DeMar DeRozan's playing the four. So this guy, he went from playing the two guard to skipping the three. Now he's playing, he's starting as the power forward for the Spurs. And Jakob Pertl, a.k.a. Jake Puddle, is playing the center. <laughs> and, like, sh- shout out Jake JP, because he, he's, like, been crazy on the plus-minus end. Like, he's done a really good job of, like, you wouldn't think of him as a defensive presence, but I guess he's doing enough to communicate and just kind of be in the right place, right time defensively to give opposing big men and opposing drivers, uh, like, a, like, something to think about as they attack the rim. And it's just really, they went from this, like, too big a team that was too big that had like maybe Rudy Gay was going to start maybe Jakob Pertl along with LaMarcus Aldridge plus you know uh DeMar DeRozan so like where's the shooting going to come from and all this stuff but now it's just um it's uh White whose first name I can't remember right now Derek Derek White DeJounte Murray and Lonnie Walker just flying around the perimeter just like they're so fast they slash and you can have DeMar DeRozan who's actually even though he's not a big man, he's a great post-up player. So he can create for himself and create for others from that particular situation. Like Pete, we, this one of your favorite bets used to be uh, like DeMar DeRozan, like over six and a half assists plus rebounds, right? Yeah. Like now you would just hammer that. That would be such a gimme at this point because he has to rebound for his team to succeed. He has to pass out of double teams in the post or he can draw attention. He's so quick. And he's a bigger bodied guard. So if another guard tries to defend him down there, like he's just going to body him. Like think Chris Paul against other point guards type type of thing. He's just a beefy dude. So, and that was a really interesting statistic. You had like points responsible for, I'd never heard that one before. That was, yeah, dude, that was great. Like, even though he's not taking threes, he's creating threes. So that's a, a 2k stat that I love, right? In 2k, you know, you go to your box score after the game and you see points responsible for, it's not something that I hear very often. I feel like in the actual real life NBA circles or podcasts or radio stuff that I listen to, but why is it not more important? You know what I mean? Like, if, if Russell Westbrook, for example, just like flipping back a couple of years, if Russell Westbrook is averaging 11 assists and 25 points and James Harden is averaging, you know, 27 points and nine and a half assists, if one of them is like four points responsible for per game higher, like it doesn't even matter if, you know, you have more assists or less assists or whatever. What are those assists mean? Like, what are they getting you? And um, I, I actually had to like triple check that stat when I saw DeMar DeRozan towards the top of that list. I'm like, how like his, his points per game isn't that high. And I know he's only like six assists or something like that. Seven assists, whatever it is, might, might even be a little lower. Like that, that's impressive as hell. Like I didn't never would have expected that. And unless you watch Spurs games all the time, which frankly, I just don't, I don't think any of us watch loads of their games. We watch a couple here and there. That's impressive. And uh, Lonnie Walker, you said, who said flying around? Is that you Duff? Lonnie Walker, Derek White, DeJounte Murray. That is the perfect description for those guys. They are elite defenders at least have the growth to become elite defenders certainly DeJounte Murray and Lonnie Walker yeah and Derek White too no joke right there he's probably the better offensive player out of those three um yep and I think now we look at the Spurs and we were thinking like ah they're in no man's land they got to refresh they got three young guards slash wings who can defend the hell out of it and have a lot of offensive upside we might be looking at them different if they can add another piece or who knows what they'll do, but they ain't going away. They're going to be hanging around from that 6 to 10 range for another year, two, maybe five, if these guards really take off. 
Yeah. Real quick, where did you find that? Where did you where do you find that stat points responsible for from myself and the other listeners? Dog, I uh I seen that like weeks ago. I I don't remember. I would just I would just Google it personally. Just just Google it. I also have no internet. So Duff, can you do me a favor while you're Googling or somebody over there? Um what's the current standings? Because that's the last uh bubble team or eight seed team that we're talking about right now. Just give a quick update on where the Suns and Spurs are at with uh rel- relevance to the eight seed. Yeah, good call. So still like one through seven is safe. They're not anywhere near like the eight seed in the West. So eight seed is Grizzlies and then Portland is nine. They're half a game back of Memphis. And then Phoenix is two games back from Memphis and the Spurs are two games back from Memphis. So it's super tight race. Even if all those teams are within the four games that you need for a play in, uh, even if it's less than that, it's still whoever is in the ninth seed based on tiebreakers or whatever so even if the suns tie the blazers and the blazers have some weird tiebreaker the blazers still get the playing rights if the grizzlies keep dropping like a rock uh i would love to see like a blazers sun thing like it's been fun to watch the grizzlies in these high pressure situations it's just it's just very clear that they just don't have it in those late game situations and closing games out yet it's okay like that's They're still super young. Like that's exactly. what we, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Like this is not an indictment on the team per se. It's just yeah. I, don't know. I would rather see the Blazers against the Lakers in round one. That would just be more fun than having LeBron walk through. Even even just like the optics on it all, like that them being the dogs to to chase, like, man, I wouldn't want those three teams behind me at all. Um Portland's a dog. They have been for two or three years. And, like, just to Pete's point about the Spurs, we all kind of discounted them. But, like, Pop's still there. And Pop's been to the playoffs for, I think, what, 22 straight seasons. Like, there's a reason why, yeah, you know? for sure. Why? For so sure. So, it, it should be super entertaining. Well, let's uh, let's keep it moving uh, to our next apology here, and this is a, this is more of a slight apology. Like we didn't really slight this team or these players, but we could have given them more. And I think they're just proving their worth in this NBA and uh, proving their worth last year and just double downing, double doubling down, doubling down. Down. Yeah, there double we go. Downing. Double, double down. Downing. <laughs> They're double downing. This man does not play blackjack. <laughs> <laughs> they're double. They're, I'm going to stick with it. They're double downing on their success, and that is Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, and the Raptors. I think Siakam got the most love in our top 25, which uh, I don't think any of us regret, but we may have some regrets on Van Vliet and Lowry and where they ended up. This Raptors team, I think everybody wanted kind of to say they're still a championship contender, but the Bucks were so strong, it was hard to really get there. Now watching the bubble, getting closer and closer to the playoffs, seeing how good they're playing, there is no reason to think that they can't go back to the championship. There's no reason to think that they can't do it, and a lot of it has to do with Lowry and Van Vliet being physical, talented guards who can not only shoot, but drive and finish around the rim and create for other players. I am so impressed with Van Vliet. That dude might get a max when he comes on the market. Don't know if he should get a max, but like he might, and that's saying How something. What did Tobias Harris get? Um, pff, he Fred Van Fleet can got wash. A double max. Fred Van Fleet can wash Tobias Harris's game up and down the floor. We're, we're gonna get to that. Let's not talk about that yet. We're gonna get to the Sixers we'll later. So, uh, let me just talk about uh, Fred Van Elite. Fred Van. <laughs> I love that. Uh, <laughs> Everyone to spin it. 
Um, Talk your shit, Frank. Hell yeah. I, I'm actually going to cover myself a little bit too because I, I'm definitely part of the NBA crowd that gave probably more credit to Kawhi Leonard than, than was actually garnered. Um, there's a reason he was able to go to that team for one season, show up to the finals, and have a chance to actually like win it. And it wasn't just because he was special, and we all know he is, whatever, not taken away from that. But, man, this team, they play a great system of basketball. They're very ingrained in what they do. Kyle Lowry's a stud who we definitely didn't give enough love to in the top 25, I think, um, just based on like a pedigree standpoint. Um, but, yeah, like people got to start putting some respect on Toronto's name, like, they're former champions for a reason, and even without Kawhi, like Pete said, they can make some noise. Like, there's no reason to believe otherwise. I don't, you know, like we saw the Bucks stumble in these first eight games already. There's no reason to say they won't, you know, have a tough time against Toronto. So, I think the fact that Toronto plays team basketball and is not necessarily a you know, a two-headed monster, I think works to their advantage in the most, you know, compared to any other team. Just because they play such great team basketball and you really don't know who's going to take over. You know, you have Kyle Lowry, you have Fred Van Fleet, you have Siakam, you have Ibaka, who obviously has been known for shooting threes and stretching the floor. Um, like, it's, it's, you really have so many options and they play off of each other so well. There was a clip on SportsCenter a couple of days ago where they made like 15 passes. And I was just like, I was like, oh, they can shoot it there. Like, oh, all right. Well, they keep moving around. And then you're like, oh, he can shoot it. And it's literally like the the classic, you know, mid-2000s dynasty Spurs moving a basketball look. And if they can take that into the playoffs and not, I guess, settle for bad shots, which they usually don't, they're, I I really do think they probably could come out of the East. Yeah, and, it looks like they force anything. Yeah, dude, because they they really don't need to rely on one specific player to go get them a bucket. Now, could it, you know, go against them in crunch time? Possibly. But if the game's in a five-point, you know, five-point swing either way, I can see them potentially just being like, all right, you know what? And, and you can tell they're a team. That's the other thing. They're a team. They're a team basketball. And they can easily feed off each other, and they—they, they, it's tough. Like it's nice to see, like as I, as a coach, like a basketball coach, to see that our guys aren't like yo, like the typical yo, give him the ball and get out of the way. It's almost like yo, well, I got to be ready because he, I know he likes to kick, and I know that he's willing to kick the ball out. And it's just you know, it's nice to see it's good basketball, it's le- legitimate good basketball. Yeah. For sure. You're a team full of, like, you're talking about team basketball, and a lot of times people have these conversations like, okay, if, you know, player X is your number one player, can you win a championship? Well, maybe, but probably not. You'd be better off if he was your number two. And what if this guy was your number two? Well, maybe he could be a number one. No, probably he's better off as a number three. Like, I feel like Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka, Fred Van Vliet, Marcus Saul, like that's those are five basically like number two, number three guys you would think on a championship team. Like I wouldn't consider any of them to be like a number one, like a Kawhi Leonard or a LeBron James or anything like that. But they're so deep, like they're they're so deep in 
their five best players that they're such high quality starters that it makes it kind of makes up for that gap because on any given night one of those guys could go off and get you 30 the 30 that you need on any particular night that like most teams all right we're going to rely on Kawhi Leonard to get us 30 tonight or we're we're, it's got to be Kawhi it's got to be Paul George or whatever that team they have three guys who you could absolutely conceivably believe to get you 30 in like one of those three guys can get you 30 in every single game of a seven game series. Yeah. And, and Duff two two other players that you didn't even mention that I feel fairly confident would have big to maybe starter roles on most other good teams. OG Ananobi and then Norm Powell. Norm Powell is more of like a classic bench guy. Cause he's such a good scorer and offensive player. But like those two guys are no joke too. So when you throw yeah, that, if that those seven, are your like kind of, Roll guys in your starting lineup, that's great too. But yeah. now you got them coming off your bench. And they're, they're seven, eight, maybe nine-ish guys. I don't know what, what's going on with Boucher right now. Is he playing? I feel like I haven't heard his name much. But, but uh, Ronda Hollis-Jefferson comes in for a sneaky small ball lineup. They're just so balanced. They're so damn good. And to clarify, I think just a little bit on what you said, Frank, before about Kawhi and the team last year and where the credit was due, I don't think Kawhi deserves any less credit than he got. He was so sick. He carried that offense at many points of the playoffs. So he doesn't deserve less credit. I think the rest of the team just deserves more credit. And that's yeah. why uh, when Zach Lowe said it on his podcast, um, this is a, not a fluke defending champion. They are a legitimate defending champion that needs to be dethroned. It's not like, you know, the Warriors won and now they're dismantled former champion. They have no shot. It is a team that is in it and has a very good chance or maybe – a very a strong chance compared to anyone else to make it back to the finals. So shouts to the Raptors, but uh, anything else to add there? Cause we got to keep moving. All right, let's keep moving. One, one more apology. And this is a super quick one. We're going to get to our disappointments, uh, which might be the more interesting part of this because unfortunately there's, there's some disappointments and some uh, that we've come too known to see as disappointments in the NBA. But the last apology is a minor one. And it's maybe just for me. It might not be from anyone else, but Chris Paul has been so impressive so far in this bubble and this entire season. He has this career arc where he was unbelievable. He was underrated uh, when he was on the Hornets by far. He then took a Clippers franchise from irrelevance and shit to a perennial playoff contender who then underachieved, and he got some hate for being a pain in the ass, which is all probably earned and deserved. Then he went to Houston. Back to underrated. He was great again and possibly was the only reason that held him back from winning a championship when he got hurt. And now in this team where we all thought he wouldn't care, we all thought he would get traded, and this Thunder team was bound for the lottery, they are not just a a four to six seed. They are a legitimate contender to compete with anybody in the Western Conference. And and that three-headed monster led by Chris Paul, their crunch time um, success and his ability to just control like the, the pace of an offense and get to his spots is, is so impressive to me. And I've thoroughly enjoyed watching Chris Paul. He was ranked 17th in our top 25. I think he could have been higher. And my main apology is that I put Zion ahead of him at 16. And just thinking about what matters most right now and what wins basketball games and wins playoffs, Zion's, he's right there, yo. He's so close. He's so good. He's so impactful. But Chris Paul deserves that love. He's showing it that he's not done, and he's got a lot more great basketball to play in his career. And talk about a guy who is just elite mid-range shooter. Insane, dude. Like we, yo. it, it, 
he's I would he's one of those people I would kind of rather just take a mid range than a three because I just assume every mid range shot is going. I feel like shooting seventy percent from like fifteen feet to eighteen feet. Doesn't matter who's guarding him. It could be Anthony Davis. It could be a small. It could be a wing. He's so good at manipulating two different defenders. Like he's trying to play against two defenders at the same time, and they're double. Like he manipulates them into this weird double team, and they don't even know they're in it. And it's like okay, someone needs to go back and cover the guy that's like cutting to the rim now and then they both leave him or the everyone is like off balance and all of a sudden oh step back 15 footer in in your eye like every time so chris paul has you know that's why he's like one of my favorite players is probably my favorite player is just because he plays so much pace and like yesterday they're playing the lakers or was it yesterday right was it yesterday yeah two days ago from when this podcast out but yesterday from now so so Chris Paul is coming off the screen and he has Alex Caruso on his back and he's doing nothing. He's just, he just has him on his ass. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, this is like, this is the shit that I, that I try and teach like the kids at, at the school. Like he literally has, a, has him on his ass. And then just all he does is just go to open space and hits a fadeaway jump shot at the elbow. And I'm literally just like, it's, it's that simple. And I, he makes it so easy. But he didn't do some crazy, you know, crazy crossover, some crazy spin move, a uh, ridiculous step back, you know, into, you know, into the sideline. It was just having pace and having an idea of reading a defense. And it was just total, that play just totally, you know, showed how how deep his IQ is as a basketball and how important change of, change of pace is, like you're saying. Like, so he's curling off screens and attacking the rim quickly. So Caruso's like, oh, shit, I got to go run and catch him up. So now you're running too fast. All of a sudden, he stops and you tackle him. That's a foul. And then all of a sudden, okay, wait, I got to come off the screen. Like, oh, I got to stop. I get, like, I can't, yes. I can't run into him. And then he just blows right by the big man layup. And then yeah. now they know. Like, now they both know we got to defend him and get in this pot. All right, so now I'm behind him again. And all of a sudden, I, the big man's in front of me. And now I got someone rolling. Oh, the big man goes back to him, sidestep, pull up. Like, he just has so many options. It's it's like you see the same same play five or seven different times, and he has a different answer for every single one of those ways he can read the defense. Yeah, he literally takes what the defense gives him. He literally takes what the defense gives him. It's just like just like if you're if you're a good quarterback, right? And it's you know when it's say second and ten, and you know they're gonna coach quarterbacks you know when i coach quarterbacks yo you got to take what the defense gives you like if you you know you try and force something in there bad things are going to happen so when you take what the defense gives you all right dude you know what you live for the next play it's third and five but when you have the ball in your hands and you're 10 feet away from the from the hoop and the center goes and plays the big and you have alex caruso who you're bigger than you can just body him and be like all right you know what i'm just gonna take a layup here i don't need to force anything you know face force a crazy lob or anything like that his his, uh, you know, his his use of angles also. Like we uh, yesterday, he hit a shot over Bull Bull, or two days ago, hit a shot over Bull Bull. Bull Bull's like got a foot and three inches on Bull. <laughs> like, how are you hitting a shot over Bull Bull? You're like legitimately like six two, and how are you hitting a shot? Because it's just angles. He he doesn't do anything special. Obviously, his crazy handles. But they're not, you know, flashy. It's just he, it gets the job done, and he gets other people involved. That's why he's like one of my favorite guys, like ever, you know, watching as a point guard. Yeah, and one more thing, and Frank, I'm sorry if you're about to jump in. Uh, his his smack talk is no joke. So I was I was uh, having that 
Lakers game on my phone and I had my headphones on. So I had, I had like, so it felt like I was in the game. Like the audio was right in my ears and I forget who was at the free throw line, but all you LeBron. hear, it was LeBron, right? Chris Paul's yeah, like, LeBron. ah, he never misses two. Don't box out. And he misses the two in a row. Bro, and like just <laughs> little it. things that Chris Paul is just yelling something that we normally wouldn't hear. Like now you yeah. get like all these times we've heard about him being a pain in the ass or like this ultra competitor. We're hearing it live. And he has a competitor with him. I just need to say his name because he deserves some love. Steven Adams balling, bro. I thought he broke his leg against the Lakers yesterday. And he came back out yeah. and balled. Shout out to him, too. Love Steven Adams. But, uh, yeah, just, I guess, sum it up. You, you said it best, Kyle. He's just the king of taking what's given to him. Um, he plays basketball like some people play chess. He's like, you know, like a grandmaster of chess. He's just waiting for you to make your move, and then he's going to make the right move to counter what you just did. And he does it, like, like ceaselessly. It doesn't stop. It's every play. And, uh, yeah, he definitely deserves some some extra love from the podcast. For sure. And uh, that's a league where offense, good offense always beats good defense. Like, if someone could be all over you and if you just it. hit a shot, good contest, doesn't matter. You're right, like, Caruso's right on your back, doesn't matter. And except if you're uh, one of these teams we're going to talk about in the disappointments, and let's move on to the disappointments. Subway Sports Talk, Pete Kennedy, John Lucas Duffy, Frank Villani, and Kyle Anderson. Thanks for listening. We got some more to go. We ain't done yet. We got disappointments, and Duff just said that great offense beats good defense, and uh, that holds true a lot of the times, but unfortunately, in the bubble, that has not been true for the Dallas Mavericks, and that's a team we included with not the bottom 8-12 to 12 in the West. We included with the 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. They've been uh, putting up some numbers. Doncic and Porzingis are balling out. They're, they're scoring, but they are not winning games right now. Uh, now, granted, they are kind of locked into the seven, uh, so who knows how important to win these games are to them. But is it a little bit frightening? I think it's been a little disappointing, to, despite the offensive miraculousness out of them, that they can't get W's on the board right now. So we're on to disappointments. Also, Andre Roberson, shout out to him for just getting on the court. I forgot to say that when we were yeah, talking shout about out. Um, He hit two three-pointers in a row. I think it's the first time he's ever <laughs> In his life, in his uh, in his entire life, yeah. So, yes. <laughs> well, let's talk. Let's let's talk about the Mavericks now. And um, oh, I want to jump in first, Frank. Just take over because they're they're our lead our lead off. They're not the most disappointing. We're gonna get to them next, but I felt like it was a good place to start. Um, Mavericks, a slight disappointment here, Frank. What's going on? All right, so New York spot uh, podcast, right? As a as a great Jet once said, they can't stop a nosebleed. My man, Bart Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, man, do the Mavericks embody that. They can't stop a nosebleed. And, you know, you could you could speak it into existence about how good they are and how much they can score and this, that, the other. It's all true. Um, but it's just not, like, quality winning basketball. Like, I don't know. I, I mean quality winning basketball, like, quality games against quality opponents basically what we're going to get in this playoffs coming up so honestly i think it spells doom for them uh if they do make it um but again i i don't even know if i would necessarily categorize it as total disappointment because uh kind of like we were mentioning briefly about the grizzlies like they're super young still so i i don't really know what to expect from them as a team but 
man, the defense is like next level bad. Right. You're right. They're probably a year ahead of schedule. Good, good call, yeah, Frank. That's, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I wouldn't consider them too much of a difference, d- disappointment just because of what you said, Frank. They, they're not terribly dissimilar from the Grizzlies in terms of like a timeline perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is they're missing Dwight Powell. Like people seem to be forgetting that. Like he was real as someone who was watching the Mavericks all year long, he was a super important player to that team because he's six foot 10 can guard on the perimeter and was not like great at it, but he was the only one on the team who could really kind of try and guard like two through five. Cause he's just massive and really, really athletic. Uh, so not having him hurts. And I think a lot of the other stuff just comes from youth and inexperience. Like Justin Jackson is a guy I was watching them play the Clippers today. And he was flying around the court, giving like 110%, like high effort, a lot of, a lot of arms and legs flying at you, but he just got caught out of position over running balls and trying to jump passes. And against a great team, like the Clippers, you cannot you cannot give them advantages like that. So now, like, and, and the help, dig, uh, the help defense and switching is so good in the NBA, where you can get you can get away with that stuff sometimes if your rotations are really, really clean. But the Mavericks just aren't there. They're just not that type of team. They're a team that I would love to watch just play permanent offense against. Like, <laughs> I would watch them play offense for an hour, but I would not want to watch them play defense for like five minutes straight. <laughs> There's there's no one on there's no one on the Mavs besides like you said tough they're they're missing Powell bad but there's no one on the Mavs right now in this bubble you know bubble ball that is a legit defender that you know is like oh you know what uh you know we 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 should go away from that guy like there's no one on the team that you're like ah oh, you know what he kind of goes both ways a little bit none of them so so some of these teams that they have to compete with like you know say the Rockets potentially they match up with the Rockets or the Nuggets. They're going to be like, all right, yo, you want to play the offense game? All right, well, we'll score with you. And then when it comes down, we'll we'll keep it close. We'll get a stop, and you won't. So they really need to lock down defensively, or it's really going to be really good. We have P.J. Tucker. We have Austin Rivers. Yeah. You don't. Right. All guys that, that are committed to going both ways, as opposed to, you know, Seth, isn't, Seth Curry isn't stopping anybody. Uh, you know, to an extent, Doncic isn't stopping anybody. Well, Porzingis, I mean, Porzingis has been doing but, better. Like he's he, only a rim protector. That's, yes, exactly. He did a really good job, like protecting the rim against the Clippers today. And when he wasn't on the court, and it was just Maxi Kleba, yeah, that was really rough to to watch. But like to your point, if that's the defensive guy you're pointing towards, it's, that ain't the one, man. Good. Right. Yeah, like right. I think the only guy who almost fits that mold is Dorian Finney Smith, and no one's scared of Dorian Finney Smith. You know what I mean? Like nope. and, and even like even if you want to say like, oh, Luca gets in the passing lanes, Seth Curry's like a, a scrappy defender who can get in the passing lanes. None of it's consistency. None of it's like what Van Vliet or Lowry, like we just spoke about, what they can bring to the defensive side of the ball or Ananobi. They don't have that dude. And I actually I guess I didn't put that together thinking about their roster until just this moment, even though I knew their defense was bad, but it just, it just all makes sense now. And uh, real quick on the, the Mavericks, uh, I might mix these numbers up slightly, but this is going to be about 99% accurate. They were, um, I think it was 16 and six at one point in the season, right? So they're 10 games above 500 early from that point on to this loss that they had today. They are now 41 and 30, which if my math is proper, that means they were 16 and 6 and then 25 and 24 from that point on. 
So they got off to this hot start, and their offense was sick, and we were loving them. Their offense was number one all year. But after that first like month or so of the season, they were a 500 team, 25 and 24 since 16 and 6. So maybe we were giving them too much love. Like we were saying, you know, you don't want to see them because Luka could win any game. Porzingis can go off any game. But these teams that they're playing are too good. And they're not going to be scared of Luka dropping 30 or Porzingis dropping 30 when their guys are dropping 130 on them. Hopefully Seth Curry comes back for them because they'll make their offense much better. And he, he's a, he's like a average defender. Like he's not gonna he'll definitely add more than he takes away from that particular. He'll be a net positive, right? And, well, and, and Dwight Powell's Dwight Powell's injury January twenty first. So it's kind of like right right in the, right in the middle of that, or you know, in the beginning of that stretch where they go twenty five and twenty four. So. Yeah. I think they were 20 and 10 after that 16 and 6. So they just literally from that point on, it was like win one, lose one, win two, lose two, win one, lose one all, the whole season. Yep. So we'll see what they can do if they can turn around the rest of the bubble, but let's keep it moving. I just said bubble butt, by the way. Bubble butt. Bubble, bubble, bubble yeah. butt. <laughs> so we'll keep it moving. And uh, Duff, do you want to go first or last year? I'm just going to say it right that. I saw ball. Just take take it. I'm hitting mute, Duff. I'm hitting mute. Just go. I might. I might not even say anything when you're done. Just just go yeah, off. You got it, bro. You got the. You got the thing. We got the video on because I might pass out and just scream. Um, I got the one ready to go. So if y'all, yeah, thank you. So if y'all been listening to this podcast, you know I'm a Sixers fan, and God, I know they're two and one in the bubble. But man, they look like hot garbage. They really just, and I, there's no other way to describe it. it. This team has absolutely no identity. I don't see Tobias Harris when he's out on the court. I have no idea where he is. Now all of a sudden, Ben Simmons has like, he, whatever that injury was, he dislocated his patella tendon or dislocated his kneecap, whatever. He'll be back in like a, a month to six weeks. So I don't, I have no idea who is the second best ball handler on the Sixers. Does anyone know? I don't know. Not a clue. Yeah, Shake Milton, who got subbed. He was supposed to be like, "Ooh, we figured out the lineup." He's the he's the new point guard. He got subbed down like twelve seconds in the first game uh, that they ended up losing because the because TJ Warren dropped a fifty burger on him. Who like I defense is supposed to be your identity. Like TJ Warren is a small forward shooting guard. Like okay, Ben Simmons. Like his thing is supposed to be defense and passing. Like he's definitely. He's supposed to be first team all defense. How the fuck is TJ Warren scoring 50? <laughs> Josh, Josh Richardson, like we traded Jimmy Butler, like sign and trade. I get it. We Josh Richardson, that was a piece like any team in the NBA would have wanted to have that guy. In the bubble, he looks like he's drunk. I saw him fall down multiple times against Wizards players. And Tobias Harris, Matisse Thibel, like where the fuck are these perimeter defenders? I don't understand. How, how did the Spurs score 130 points? A hundred. They scored 130 points against the Sixers. How the fuck does that happen? I don't understand. Like the Wizards were kicking the shit out of the Sixers. They were just bullying. Thomas Bryant was. was it, what the fuck is that guy's name? Thomas Bryant is that even his name? Yeah, he yeah. was dominating for moments. In that he game. was. He was handing Embiid. <laughs> he was snatching his lunch. I couldn't believe my eyeballs. Like, and then all of a sudden Simmons, he's out for the game, and then the the Sixers go on this crazy run to like win Classic. by almost. 20 like of course it's just we've been saying this for years those two guys they just don't fit they just don't fit right and we're talking about Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet before it's like 
to, in my mind, the Sixers are better if they have one of those guys instead of Ben Simmons. And also, at the, at the same token, like I'm watching the 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 uh, the Mavs play, and I think the Sixers are better if they have Porzingis instead of Embiid. Like, do I think any of those players are better than the Sixer counterpart? Absolutely not. I do not think that. But this is not the right fit. Like Embiid is ten times better than Kristaps Porzingis, but Porzingis moves around the court and he's just more active, and he's a threat from all three levels of the court, from spotting up, from three mid range to catch a lob like when i watch the mavs play they they just run like high screen and roll that's all they do you can't run that with simmons and Embiid because no one is going to follow a high screen they're just going to sit at the foul line and just like both defenders be like yeah who are you screening out there because we're sitting at the foul line like what are you doing i i can't they have they can't (laughs) extend the court from the rim to the three-point line like it's like they're everything we talk about with modern basketball is you're supposed to spread the floor, make the defense guard everywhere. And they they can't do that. Like everyone against the Sixers is just sitting in the paint, like, and they can't hit an open three and they still somehow like don't even get open threes. Like I just see like you're saying, um, who, who is it? Uh, who was, you were talking about this. Oh, the Raptors. And they were just passing the ball all around the court and they're just passing up open shots. I see the Mavs doing that constantly. And it's just like, so you're telling me Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and Tobias Harris and Al Horford like can't find open shots. Like I'm at watching Dorian Finney-Smith drop it off to like <laughs> JJ Barea, who kicks it back out to like I don't even know who's subbing in Tim for Harley. Seth Curry. Like who? Yeah, to Trey Burke, and yeah. it's just like they all have just wide open three. Who was on the Sixers, by the way? Yeah, this is and they so all have funny. wide I open three so after wide open three. Duff, I feel and they're like just passing them up constantly. And this, I have not seen one play from the Sixers like that in months. I feel like we need to like give you a breather. I want to, I want to throw Duff. this back to you. No, oh, I want to throw this back to you, Duff. Yo, if 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 we put Ben Simmons right, do you think the reason why he's not as productive with Embiid on the floor is because he can't? score off the ball like he can't he can't spot up and shoot is that here's the thing here's the thing here's the thing Kyle I can't even answer that fucking question because he's never tried to do it he's never tried (laughs) to do it in a regular season game like I've you guys were sending me these videos of Ben Simmons ripping threes from the corners and the preseason scrimmage in the bubble and he's drilling them and then I'm like all right sick I I honestly don't care like don't show me another spot up three in a game that doesn't matter from that guy because it doesn't count it literally doesn't count. He hasn't done it once since the regular season bubble game started happening. How is that possible? You know who I saw ripped back-to-back threes in the corner today for the Miami Heat? Derek Jones Jr. You know what he shoots from three? 25%. But, like, they ended up losing that game, but those were two really important threes, like very timely shooting that can make or break the difference in a game. Like, if we're wasting two possessions on that and while Embiid is down on the block, I'm okay with that. But if if no one is guarding Ben Simmers Simmons in the dunker spot, like right next to the block. And then I have an Embiid three from the top of the key. I, I like, I'm pissed because I want Embiid to just like, if you're not going to do any of this, spread the floor, shoot the three basketball, then just force feed Embiid on the block. Just yeah. do, let me watch him do that and shoot 20 free throws and just be like Shaq, but can actually make free throws. Like, why don't we just do that? Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I need to play. I need to play a drop real quick. So guys, just give me like a second here because I know you guys can't hear them on your side right now. So I'm just gonna hit a button, and this is for you, Duff, and it's also for Sixers fans across the world. Oh, somebody! Oh, he needs some milk. 
he needs some milk. And now you know which drop I just played. And <laughs> I knew which one it was going to be. <laughs> yo, I'm, I'm like really enjoying this, this uh, angst out of you, Duff, but I really I feel for y'all too. But I will say this. I, I hate that someone getting hurt can come out to be a positive, but in, in a world, this could help the Sixers make the tough decision which they need to do. And I think we're all on board here. Whether you think Simmons is better, which I might, whether you think Embiid is better, which most people probably do, you need to pick one and go with it. You need to have an identity. This team has no identity. Their their identity should at minimum be defensive hounds, and they don't even get there. They don't even get there. So with Simmons out now, I actually mentally thought as soon as Simmons got hurt, and I hate that my brain went here, but this is actually what happened, I'm batting the Sixers the next couple games because they now have an identity, and that is Embiid and then everything else. When they have Simmons and Embiid, it's uh, sometimes Simmons and Embiid, but also get these other guys, and it's just a cluster. It's nothing's happening. So now they have an identity. We'll see if it works out for them. And there's this hope with the Sixers that they can figure it out, and I'm not going to quit. I ain't going to give up hope, but like it's hard to find any. Brett Brown's got to go. See you later. I've had enough. Like, like Monty Williams was an assistant coach for the Sixers last year, and he like the Suns are four and zero now in the bubble. Like, I, I, I'm sick and tired of not being able to see like an after timeout inbounds play lead to an easy basket. <laughs> two, I, t- two years ago, when I, uh, two playoffs ago, the Sixers got knocked out of the playoffs by the Celtics, and Brad Stevens ran this such a like a stupidly simple out of bounds play where they were mm-hmm. inbounding it from the side lob and the lob over like whoever I think it was Covington was guarding Horford he just lobbed it over his head Horford caught the ball and just dunked it like with no one between him and the basket it was the most ridiculously simple inbounds play right Brett Brown's brain exploded when he saw that play because I've tr- I've seen the Sixers try to run that same play like two dozen times since that happened <laughs> hasn't worked once has not worked one single time you know why because no one falls asleep after timeouts like the 76ers other teams just don't do it like i saw today the mavs got three easy baskets just off inbounds plays off of like hard screens and cuts just like actually executing a play why can rick carlisle do that and not brett brown like does he not have like most of these coaches just have folders on their computers where it's just side out of bounds play like kyle you you probably have these too side out of bounds plays under the under the hoop out of bounds plays left side of the court right side of the court who would be the shooter on either side like they have like fucking terabytes of this information (laughs) from synergy sports and just like from coaching for decades this guy has nothing like he i feel like he is uh Henry Winkler and and freaking Waterboy after he gets the the playbook stolen away from him and then he's like he's coaching Southern Louisiana like he doesn't know what the fuck to do with himself. Oh my god! I, so it doesn't funny. make any sense. Like he can't. Uh, I, I think he's just like one of those. I remember like, Wade Phillips in the NFL was just like one of those guys where he tried to be a head coach and he just couldn't do it. And then when he was a defensive coordinator, he won a Super Bowl. Like th- that's just Brett Brown's type of thing. Like he. All I hear from players who used to play for him or do play for him is he is like one of my favorite people, one of my favorite people. I never hear he's an excellent coach. He's one of the smartest coaches. Like he's a he's like a like a gym rat, like Tom Thibodeau. Nothing. Like it's all like, oh, he's a great person, great person. Like, all right, that's good for assistant coaches and shit, but like I need X's and O's if you're gonna be head coach. It's time to get Brett Brown, Mark Jackson out of here. 
Yeah. Just get him Mark Jackson out of here. Seriously, your head coach shouldn't be like your friend. I mean, you, you know, in a sense they should be, but should be someone like holding you account. Some, some coaches are. Like coaches have identities. Like Pop is the guy who is like militant. He treats everyone the same, right? But Doc Rivers is the one who is like, we're not even practicing. I'm gonna go golf. You guys wanna come with me? Like, and he's just like the ultimate players coach. And Rick Kyle Carlisle's a high pick and roll guy. Tom Thibodeau is the defense guy. Like what the fuck is Brett Brown? What is his identity? I have no idea what his identity is as a coach. Like the guy Mark with Jackson, the weird accent. Defense first guy. Like Steve Kerr is, <laughs> we're going to break the fucking offensive time-space <laughs> continuum and just... He was a pop assistant. What is Brett Brown? What is he? he he's the guy with the weird assistant. accent, bro. Yeah, he just like happens to be pop's assistant. Like D'Antoni's the seven seconds to like less guy. Mike Budenholzer is, we're going to shoot threes and we're not going to let you shoot threes guy. Like that's, we're layups, take them. You're yeah. not, or no, they no layups. Yes. Shoot the threes. We'll shoot Correct. threes. You shoot threes, and we're gonna have three point shoot you. Yeah, Duff. All right, you just just take a breather over there, Duff. That was really good, though. I, I'm I like, sweating. This is a little <laughs> golf clap for you, Duff, right here. A little golf clap. That was that was good radio, good podcasting out of you, right? That's some intense. That was years in the making. I've just been trying <laughs> to stay positive. I'm done. I've had enough. Waiting. Even if they win the championship, oh I still won't God. believe. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. That was so good. I don't even think there's anything else we could add on the Sixers. That's enough. No, I'm just kidding. I love the Sixers. Come on, guys. We can do it, please, for a little bit. <laughs> oh! oh! He needs no. some milk! All right, here we go. Let's move on. We got some other teams to talk about. We'll wrap these up on the quicker end, uh, just because, you know, we're getting a little long-winded now, but that was just such great stuff. I, could, I, I just needed that. No, that was no, years no, no. Do not apologize. No, you, that need, was... you need to get that out. You need to get that out. That was important. Oh, for everyone to hear in that moment, I already thought about the clip that I'm going to cut tomorrow and put on Instagram of you just going off. I can't wait. I hope Sixers fans around the world see it and just feel the pain with you and the community of, of Sixers pain just grows even more. <laughs> but let's talk about the other teams that we got now. Um, we'll do pretty quick on these two because like we talked about with the Mavericks and we mentioned the Grizzlies, they're probably a year ahead on the timeline, right? So Pelicans, Grizzlies, disappointing. We highlighted the Grizzlies as a team that we didn't feel confident in to keep the eighth seed, uh, and we highlighted the Pelicans as a team uh, that should be bumping up and has a really good chance to get into that eighth seed, uh, but both of these teams have been disappointing. Uh, the, obviously, Zion's minutes is tough to watch if you're rooting for them because he's not getting the minutes you want. He's still impactful. They're still solid. They, they're not winless like the Grizzlies. Uh, but it's not been good. So, Kyle, quickly, what's your uh, disappointment factor on these two teams? On, you said on the Pelicans or the uh, Bucks Or the Grizzlies. Grizzlies, I'm sorry. Um, Grizzlies, you know what? I think my biggest thing with the Grizzlies, at least, is that they're in every game, and they are off to great starts, and they just can't close. It would be one thing if they're just you know completely getting their ass kicked, and they just, you know, aren't matching up or you know playing well with some of these teams but i think they've either gotten out to a big lead or have come back from a big lead and said they take it over and forth and then they just kind of blow it and i think it's just it's just showing that they're still very young and they're still haven't taken the next step and you know it's expected you know they're gonna go as john Moranko, and i'm not saying it's john Moran's fault you know how they're losing but there's times where he could he could probably look to score more instead of probably giving the ball to other people. Like that's essentially it's it's going to be his team, 
But at you know, as he gets older, I think he's going to realize that. All right, you know what? I think this possession is going to be mine, and it's not going to be a you know, oh, I'm going to find the best shot for somebody else. Now, you know what? I I got to take this shot, and I think that's something that you know he's probably going to learn in a couple of years. But right now, he's struggling. But he can also still their team could still sneak in, you know, and, and make them happen. So, yeah, I think you like good point you made. Like both these teams are so young, so it's hard to use like the the D you know, word. Like the, yeah, just like say disappointed because honestly, like I guess my answer would be the Grizzlies because you know they showed us kind of what they were all about earlier in the year and whatever, whether it be reeling from injuries or inexperience or whatever it is, they've kind of tapered off. Um, but I really didn't have any expectations for them. Like, I thought John Morant would be a fun player to watch, but I didn't think they'd really be smelling an eight seed. So probably not them. My disappointment with the Pelicans just basically lie in how much they're babying, you know, Zion. They might be 100% right about what they're doing and could be vindicated in doing so in the future or whatever. But to me, it's just disappointing because we've, we've seen very brief glimpses of what this team's ceilings can be. You know, Zion taking over scoring like 16 points in you know, his first ever game, like in the fourth quarter alone or whatever it wound up being. And then you got some of these nights where Brandon Ingram looks like uh Kevin Durant, 23 years old, reincarnated. Like, the ceiling for the Pelicans is is so damn high that I guess the disappointment more so lies with them just because we, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think, the like you said, the D word is probably a little strong for them. Disappointing is probably a little strong. Uh, the Pelicans were at least a team that a lot of people were picking for the playoffs. And I, I think I was on the boat of like, all right, it's a little too soon. Like, I know they got young talent. I actually like a lot of their young talent, but like, to see them in the playoffs is going to be really tough, but we didn't know what was going to happen with the Blazers at that point in time and whatever. But now, at this point with what we do know, the Grizzlies already exceeded expectations by so much, it's hard to be truly disappointed, like you said. Plus, now Jaron Jackson is injured, and their best player is a rookie. Like, their best player is a rookie. They're probably, like, second or third best player. or I would say third. Valanciunas is probably a little better, right? But Brandon Clark is another really important player to them. Like, He's a rookie. Jaron Jackson's a second-year guy. They never played an important game in the NBA in their lives until this week or the last week. So it's hard to be disappointed. But, yeah, the Pelicans' disappointment almost lies in the fact that we're just not seeing them come to fruition. Yep. Anyone mention the uh, the Pelicans in terms of their minutes limit for Zion, how it's, like, yeah. eerily reminiscent to uh, the pitch limits and innings limits? Uh, not that specific point, but I did say it's, like, you know, disappointing because – he is on a minutes restriction and we could see, you know, we see where they could be if he wasn't. So yeah. that those things, like for those who don't know, Steven Strasburg and Jobber Chamberlain used to, they oh, had these, Jabba. they had these, they had these, the, the Jabba rules. Remember those? Like when he was on the yeah. Yankees, like terrible, they didn't work like that. That guy had other problems, but like it didn't work anyway. Like he still got hurt. Strasburg still got hurt. It didn't matter. Like, and they just were wasting time. Awesome. Why are you wasting time? Yeah, I would argue. We got JJ Reddick's playoff streak to think about, <laughs> but we're a different podcast. Yeah, the Stras the Strasburg one. I mean, he kind of he's still really good now, and who knows what would have happened. I mean, yeah, eventually but, had the ultimate payoff. They won a championship, right? But, the yeah. the Java thing makes great sense for sure. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, all right. Let's move on to our last little topic here. This should be a quicker one, too, because, again, disappointment is a strong word for two number one seeds. But the Lakers and the Bucks not looking super sharp. Maybe it's because they know that they have time to get this thing right. Maybe it's because they don't care. They locked in the one seed with one win. It doesn't matter, right? But there's some things that are seriously uh, alarming with both the Lakers and the Bucks, uh, with their depth and what we thought about them before the bubble versus what we've seen so far in the bubble. So, uh, Kyle, I'll go to you first. I know you have some notes on both these squads. So yeah. what's been, you know, underwhelming, we'll say, about these two, you know, championship favorites? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing, at least for the for the Lakers first, the Lakers just aren't as good as we thought. And I think that, it, I don't know if it's just they know they have the one seed locked up and they're just not really interested and think they can kind of like turn it on and turn it off. Like Charles Barkley actually made a good point earlier on Inside the NBA today. Google me. And said like, you know, some of these teams like think that they can just turn it on and turn it off. And they're better than they think they are. And I I, I totally agree because he actually uh, like kind of quoted Herman Edwards, like the preseason, it doesn't count, but it matters. And this is exactly what it should be right now because they are, you know, it's the NBA restart, literally. And they should literally be trying to get into good habits right now. And almost everything that they're doing is not, you know, on the right path. You know, they're they're struggling with, with uh, you know, teams that are, just aren't as good as them. And if they get the Blazers in the first round, don't be surprised if it goes six or seven games. That's what I uh, – uh, that's my opinion. And I think it could – I'm, I'm leaning more towards seven, just based on how they're playing. And for the Bucks, like, I think they're not – for me, I don't know why. I, I just feel like they're overrated. I do. I don't know why. I think they're overrated, and I, I – I guess what I kind of lean on is because they rely on Giannis's fast break opportunities to create offense a lot. And when teams can slow them down and they have to play half court and Giannis is the guy with the ball and there's no point guard to create opportunities for everyone. He now has to drive from the three point line. And, you know, obviously he, he finishes well and he makes twos and everything, but how long is that going to last? You know, how long is it going to last until he has to kick it out to somebody who hasn't seen the ball for, you know, pretty much an entire half, and now they have to rely on that. Obviously, they have Chris Middleton. Obviously, they have uh, – I can't think of his name right now. Uh, George, George Hill? George Hill. They have George Hill. They have uh, – Well, they're, they're missing Eric Bledsoe right now too, which who, who would yeah. have thought that that was a big deal? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and well, I think yeah. when it gets to playoffs, it won't be a big deal at all. Regular <laughs> yeah. season, big deal. I just, I just think that you know, seeing seeing the game the other night against the the uh, the Nets, like I, I get it, they played on their hat, you know, their their stars for the first half, but the Celtics also played them, you know, the first half with all their starters, and the game was over at half. And I think that's like one of the biggest things for me is that if you're, you know, if you're playing a team with pretty much no one, and it's a game, you know, going into the the fourth. It's that's I think that's a that's a big that's a big question mark. Why is that? You know, why is that happening? Why is you know, why is when the Celtics played when the Celtics played them, the game was over. So I think that's two of the biggest things that that I'm like concerned about about the, the two one seats. 
And, you know, when we reminisce on, like, the Warriors, right, and I always was big harping on this about, yes, Steph is incredible, yes, Clay's incredible, yes, Draymond's this and, and that, but their bench before they got Kevin Durant was so good, and they proved it when it mattered most. Like, guys like Leandro Barbosa or Mo Spates or even, you know, Andrew Bynum or JaVale McGee, uh, who weren't as highlighted players, they... Uh, they proved it in the playoffs. And this bench that we fell in love with, this team that was just dominating, winning by 10 points every night, it felt like, they haven't they haven't proved it yet. And I say this on this podcast all the time. In the American jury system, you are innocent until proven guilty. In sports, you are guilt, uh, you are a choker until proven a winner, right? So the Bucks are great. They're a, for a number one seed. They deserve it. Giannis, the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year. All this stuff is incredible. But until DiVincenzo... Pat Connaughton, George Hill, do it in the playoffs for Giannis, or Middleton does it in the playoffs for Giannis, there's a reason to have some pause. Uh, So I'm with you, Kyle. I think it's disappointing. And Duffy's favorite take in this podcast history is my incredibly unscientific uh, take that the Bucs don't play enough close games during the season. (laughs) Duffy low-key hates that take, but kind of likes it, I think. Yeah. I respect it, but I don't like it. That's how I would describe it. I don't know. I just, we'll see. Like, I really just think at this point, the only team that could give the Bucks a run in the East is probably the Raptors um, because they have so many bodies that they can throw at uh, Giannis. And then also they're just an incredibly disciplined team. Like we've talked about it. If they can stop the Bucks from getting out in transition and build that wall on the foul line with a couple guys and Giannis can't get through them, like Kyle's saying, they're going to have some trouble. With the Lakers, I feel like, LeBron has been like, he's suspiciously passive on offense to the point where I think he's like, he's doing it. He's up to something. Like I think with the other people, exactly with the other people who are trying to like be integrate into the offense, like J.R. Smith and um, Deion waiters, like he knows those people are going to be important in the playoffs at some point. Like we talk about this all the time in the podcast where eventually like someone like a Shane Battier is going to be a, is it going to be a clear offensive, uh, like an important piece on offense? Like Fred Van Vliet was last year, like going into the playoffs, they didn't think he was going to be that big a deal. Now, then like he has this, he has that second kid and all of a sudden he's popping off. Like it just doesn't make sense sometimes. So I think he knows at some point he's going to have to rely on Jared, Jared Smith, Deion waiters, and they have to get acclimated with the other teammates around him. So that's maybe why he's kind of being so passive. Cause like, at any point in time, LeBron can just kind of take over a game and manipulate himself and his teammates to the point where he, he's got everyone on his puppet strings and he's just doing, everyone's doing whatever he, they want him to do. Yeah, I ain't worried about Braun, but he was missing a lot of easy shots against Thunder the other day. I I think one one more thing with, with the Lakers, like, and you know, right, Duff, because, you know, LeBron sometimes is on, like, his own. No one else knows. And, you know, sometimes he's just, like, cruising throughout a game. And, you know, if you watch LeBron play early in games, he is very relaxed, is kind of getting everyone else shots. And then once it's third, fourth quarter, he's like, all right, I'm going to start taking over now. And I'm, maybe that's what he's doing right now before the postseason begins since he knows he has the one seed. But one thing that I kind of wish that the Lakers, you know, did a better job of is looking at – imagine if – Carmelo Anthony was on the Lakers as opposed to Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith, how much better they would feel right now of, about him coming off the bench. His production right now. How much worse the Blazers would feel. 
right? And the Blazers will feel terrible, right? They, I mean, they probably would have lost three, four games at this point. Melo shot him out of like two, two, two different games. He, he yeah. clutched shooting at the end. I can't even lie. Like how, how, how much better? Like if if you're a Lakers fan, I would feel so much better knowing that I have Carmelo on the team who can legit spot up and shoot and give me consistent minutes and consistent buckets as opposed to and rebound. Deion Waiters. Yeah, and rebound. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And <laughs> Deion Waiters and Deion Waiters and get the fuck out of here. Right? You know? <laughs> so like imagine like you have a consistent score as opposed to two streaky scores like Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith. Two two bad shot makers and two guys that you never know what you're gonna get when they get on the floor. Like they get like Deion Waiter. Sometimes watching him is like really tough because you can tell he's going out there to get his buckets and get no one else involved, and that's gonna kill him on the bench because now Jr. is gonna do the same thing. He's like, oh, they're, they're gonna be competing for buckets essentially. He's gonna be like, oh, word, you, you're gonna take three shots in a row. All right, word, I'm gonna take this fadeaway baseline jump shot over bowl bowl and you know hope it goes in. So it's it's they they gotta figure it out. Sometimes when I watch Deion Waiters, I feel like I'm having a stroke. Dude. I gotta I got say one thing though: it could be it could be a match made in heaven because you know Deion's got them them good edibles. So Jr. is definitely buddy buddy with him. Like, come True. on, they're, they're definitely boys. They're definitely and they're from, they're both from Jersey too. Hey, to, uh, yeah, no, nah, I don't know. That could, that actually potentially could be dangerous. I'm gonna believe in that the other way until I see otherwise. Personally. But you're definitely not wrong. Dude, to be quite honest, though, I know Deion Waiters is a better scorer right now than J.R. Smith, but I, I trust J.R. Smith way more than Deion Waiters. 100%. Way more. I yes. Bro, I don't care, dude. He's 100%. played in big games. He tries on defense most of the time, and then he could hit a shot. And then like, he also forgets to score hey, in hey, game hey. one of the finals. That's, like, huge. Not with the bad. Deion Waiters... Deion Waiters is literally stepping onto the court. Like, he's that dude that's at the basketball court that's like, yo, once he touches it, the other four dudes on the court are like, oh, this guy. Get out the way. Yo, just, just go rebound. If you, he's not if, passing it. If you inbound, <laughs> you know, like, if, like, from the, someone, like, the other team makes a shot and he gets the inbound pass, you're just like, all right. Oh. The guy right. who inbounds the ball apologized to everyone else. And like, oh, my <laughs> man. I just gave him the first guy I saw, bro. Because yeah. essentially, you know, all, all you're going to hear is like, oh, here comes this bullshit. Here we go. Yeah. I'm put some. Guy, guy, under know, the like, hoop, guy under the hoops pretending. It's, he's like, oh, my bad, bro. I icon pass. I hit the wrong button. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's only when the other guy comes in. <laughs> Bro, that's good stuff. Um, one last this is this is it. Like this is the end of the podcast, more or less here. So I just wanted to say this. I'm I'm disappointed in myself. Last disappointment goes to myself for not including this topic in apologies and putting Duffy and Frank on the spot. And Carmelo Anthony's name was just brought up. Duff and Frank, oh, yeah. can, can you guys at least like give a minor apology that this guy deserves to be on a roster and can play in I'll the NBA? Apologize. I'll like, apologize to Melo. I'm not apologizing to mellow stands. Can you apologize to me? I think I'm one of the more level-headed mellow stands out there. You consider you're yourself still a stand. Mellow? You're still a stand. No, Frank, I'll... he just called himself a stand. Don't no, no, apologize. Don't do no, it. No, 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 no. Hold on, you say you just you just snitched on yourself again, bro. <laughs> Damn. Yo, I'm just saying. Throughout this whole thing, I kept saying to you guys on this podcast all the time, like I'm not saying he's mellow, mellow, but this dude is a rosterable. rosterable 
playable guy who, in theory, yes, that was never that was never not the question. Never not the question. But people just people decided because all these folks were making a big deal about it that you know, oh, he he's not going to be mellow mellow. So what's the point? People took it too far, and a lot of us sane folk out here were just saying this guy needs to be on a team and can do some good things, especially kind of when it matters. I mean, maybe the Blazers are doing a better job because they have a better coach uh, defensively than like the Rockets and the Thunder did with him. But like, he's not that big of a liability on defense for them, and he helps out rebounding. So Honestly, all of us who wanted he, him to have a chance, we're vindicated right now. Vindicated, well, look, look, Car- no, but no, fuck that because Carmelo Anthony – was saying the same. He was saying the opposite of what you're saying. He wasn't a, like a, I need a chance with kind of OKC. Guy. Like, he was, but like, not coach, lately. Just put me in, coach. I can do it. Like he wasn't. Yeah, just let me get a couple minutes. He was like, I'm talking. I'm a, I'm a top three option. I'm talking I'm post like, rockets. I'm still a guy. I'm talking post rockets. Yeah, me too. Melo is still like he was just like I'm not coming off the bench. I'm not that guy. Like I'm always the ego. Yeah, yeah. Maybe like a year after he changed his mind. Yeah, but, but yo. Also, part of that, honestly, shout out to Dame Lillard. I'll apologize. Dame- I'll apologize to Carmelo because I should. I, he's not like I was saying. Like he was total trash. He's not right. trash. Okay, so, I'll take. Like, I'll take that. Vindicated. He was absolutely. He was delusional. He was delusional. You, you, and Carmelo Anthony were delusional. Dame Lillard deserves <laughs> some credit for being such a good leader and such a great guy that helps all of his teammates understand the big picture. And Melo is following Dame Lillard's lead, bro. And that's no joke. And that's legit. And that's leadership. And Dame Lillard is just like one of the coolest guys we've had in this league in our lifetime. Shout out. Shout out. I don't know where that came from, but that's just how I feel. Shout out. Shout out, Dame, for real, though. All right, though. That's it. Subway Sports Talk. This has been so fun. We're talking real hoops right now. This is this has been great. We did our apologies. We did our disappointments. Now it's time for us to do our goodbyes and our last words. So, uh, Frank, I'm going to go to you first, put you on the spot here. Last words for the Subway Sports Talk podcast. Does it have to be about basketball? I know the answer, but I'm going to no. ask anyway. No, obviously not. Fuck, fuck the Mets. Diaz, you are a fucking disgrace. Uh, So we need we need a Lenny to take George out into the back. If you know what I'm talking about, walk him up to Poughkeepsie. God, dog, that's rough. Jonas, this was getting bro. We didn't want you here anyway. Oh my god, yes, Um, we did. We did want him here. I didn't. I didn't. So. That's my words. Frank, I'm having you on the designated hitters next week. We we need that energy. <laughs> yes. Oh, I need Kyle, Kyle, what do you got for me? Last words. Uh, I just want to say shout out to Scotch Plains uh, school I teach at and the school I coach at. You know, all the kids, you know, I know it's like a tough time right now with like not knowing what's going on with quarantine and, you know, COVID and everything. If we're going to actually have a season. And you guys are still like going out and practicing every day. So shout out to them. And also, uh, you know, help we can get some like relief and like help to Beirut, man, with that explosion. Ooh. That is like insane. Like yeah, that, that like some of the crazy it's really scary. scary. Yeah. yeah, man. So I hope, you know, they get they get the, the right help they need because that's, you know, I never want to wish that. You know, see that happen to anybody. So very different last words from than Frank, but we need, much yeah, love we need to you. Really, really thoughtful. I'm gonna feel like an idiot for my last words. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. My bad. Think about it like it's a thoughtful sandwich, but the thoughtful is not. That's it. Man. That's it. I, I want the I want the buffer. What what Duff's about to say? A, a Duffer Frank. 
Now he, the, he got the wholesome for us. He he took care. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, I want to shout out Michael Porter Jr. Hey, because that was a guy who I was saying uh, in the 2018 draft should like should maybe be a top five pick, and then like I thought he was going to be the number one pick early, early in the 2017 2018 college season because Kyle and I were talking about this before the uh before the show tonight uh, we were just getting like drunk off of his like hoop hoop one like mixtape ball is life mixtapes where he was at the yes, Steph sir. Curry camp and he's just hitting like every one on one drill he's just just eliminating dudes um he back to back 30 point games i think he had a i'm not sure if he had another 30 tonight i'll have to check he had at least had 27 last time i saw it uh that dude is like he he's might be the next like Dirk Nowitzki in the sense that like not super mobile but like and not as tall but he's 6'10 he can shoot it from anywhere on the court like post up elbow high high post up off the elbow spot up threes leaning threes like off the run like JJ Redick he he can't really dribble that much yet but he's that dude is going to be a star man like we used to think about um who was it? The OKC Thunder when they were hitting on all those top picks like Durant, Westbrook, Harden, Abaka, like all these dudes, right? And now I feel like the 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 Nuggets are kind of like the the like the Bizarro like non lottery second round version of that with Jokic, Bull Bull, uh, Michael Porter Jr. With where was Nurkic drafted? Nurkic was like twenties, I think. But was he was he the Nuggets and he was yeah, traded yeah. away? Yeah, yes. Correct. Yeah. So like, t- think about that. Another dude who was, they picked in the twenties. Like, he's a super. Shout out to freaking player. Nuggets, man! Like, they go. They hit home runs only. Their scout, scouting analysis is crazy. Jamal Murray, the only real like high high pick out of that that core group there. Was he still in the ten teens though? Nah, he was like five. I don't think he was. Was he? he was. Okay. Yeah, he was. He was pretty high up there. That's good stuff, though. Y'all. I remember you loved him pre-draft. So I do. I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's from early on of the pod years, Duff. That's good. That's a good call. Murray back. was a bug. Um, yeah. MPJ, yo, Duff, you deserve all the credit, bro. I, I mean, I bro, think, I, just... I think if I remember correctly, me and Frank liked MPJ and we wanted it to be to work and be good, but you were like, nah, I'm taking him over Aiton. I don't care if his back is broken. Like he's he's gonna be sick. Yeah, and, uh, I, I Shout out to you. Um, my last words. On the Subway Sports Talk podcast, I had all this time to think about it after you guys uh, spoke this whole time, and I kind of forget what I was going to say, to be quite honest. Uh, so uh, I'm just going to say this. Thank you all for, for freaking listening and supporting. Uh, if you're listening right now at the 138, 140 mark, wherever the hell we're at, that is so love. I'll even hit, I'll even hit the drop. I'll hit the drop for you real quick. Wow, bro. That's crazy. That's so love, bro. And it really is. Shout out to Kobe White. He's not in the bubble, but it's still love. And uh, thank you all. Subway Sports Talk's been so far so good. We're going to keep growing. We're going to be coming with more content, more stuff nonstop. It's, uh, we're serious this time, baby. We're, we're trying to make it big. We're trying to do the right thing. We're trying to have fun with it. So if you like what you're hearing, let us know. We appreciate that very much. If you don't like what you're hearing, hit us up. Tell us why, and we'll tell you why you're wrong. And that's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just a mess, of course. But Subway Sports Talk, that's it. That's all we got. Uh, we'll be back next week. Baseball, basketball, football on the horizon. It's a great time to be a sports fan because it uh, really breaks up this tough time of life and lack of normalcy. We get to watch hoops. We get to watch baseball. So shout out to all that fun stuff. For Duffy, for Frank, for Kyle Anderson, Pete Kennedy, this has been Subway Sports Talk. Thanks for listening.
Here.